Oh, they're ready to go. They're anxious to begin. Tortoise, all jacked up on Mountain Dew. He takes off flying. He leaves the tortoise in the dust. Uh, and then he gets out there, and he's just cruising. He's flying, and he's, he's front runner. You know, like, he's going to win this race. There's no doubt about it. Anybody who knows anything about running, which isn't me, but anybody else who knows anything about running will know that the tortoise is going to win the race, right? I mean, the hare is going to win the race. The tortoise, slow and steady, he just keeps going. The hare gets to the point where he's like, man, I just need to rest, right? I, I, I've got this thing in the bag, so I'm just going to take a break. And he, he relaxes a little bit. I don't know, maybe falls asleep, forgets to set his alarm. But there the tortoise goes, continually slow and steady. Eventually, the tortoise passes the hare. He finishes uh, the race. He wins. The hare is so oblivious to anything. Finally, he wakes up. Some of y'all relate with the hare, not based on how fast you are, but based on how much you can sleep and how hard you can sleep, right? So anyway, he wakes up, oblivious to everything, and then he just coasts to the end, knowing that he's won the race, only to get there and realize that he's lost. We tell this story to our kids to tell them that what slow and steady, it wins the race. Paul knew exactly that. He writes this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. This is what he says. Do you know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one of them gets the prize? Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul says to run the race as if we were trying to win. Run the race as if we were trying to win the prize. I want to ask you a question. If I were to ask you to go home and uh, get out a piece of paper and a pen and to write down uh, in one letter your final words, who would you address it to? This is, you only have one letter, and you can only address it to one person. You can't, like, address it to, like, mom and them. You know what I mean? It's got to be one person. So you're addressing this letter. Who are you, who are you writing the letter to? And then maybe more importantly, what are you saying in that letter? Um, hey, we got some Bibles we'd love for you to follow along in. Uh, Josh is right here. He's got them. If you need a Bible, we'd love for you to have one. Uh, it's our small gift to you. We'd love for you to have it. Uh, that's your Bible. If you want to follow along with me, uh, you can download the YouVersion Bible app. And under the live event section, you'll see Restore Church. Um, you can follow along on the Restore Church app, so you got plenty of time to download the Restore Church app. And under the bulletin section, there are announcements, Those are the, there's the list of the songs that we just sang, and also there are my sermon notes, so you can follow along with, with me there. Uh, we say this pretty regularly, you're more than welcome to follow along on the screens, but you can't take the screens home with you. So if you're going to study God's Word, you need a, a device or, or the Bible. So... Uh, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. 
Um, so go ahead and search 2 Timothy on your phone. Get there, get your spot, or find it in, in the Bible, uh, 2 Timothy. And just to tell you a little bit about what we're going into, uh, this is what we just read. 1 Corinthians was Paul's first letter that he wrote. The letter we're going to get into uh, this morning is 2 Timothy. It's Paul's last letter that he writes. Paul and Timothy, we talked just shortly about this last week. They have this, this unique relationship. It's, Paul calls Timothy his spiritual son. He calls him my son in the faith. And so Paul, being in prison, writing his last letter, he has the same question that I asked you. He might have written multiple letters, but uh, he, has that la- he has that same question. I have one letter left to write. Who am I going to write it to? And he writes it to his spiritual son, Timothy. And then, what do I write? So, when you get home later today, read all of 2 Timothy, and you'll see just Paul's heart. But we're going to look uh, at chapter 3 and chapter 4. Hey, as we, we uh, go through this, I want to ask you um, this question. I've asked a lot of questions already this morning, I know. But, this is a question I want you to think about. While we, while we talk, while we look in God's Word... But maybe it's a question you need to write down on your mirror, not in a Sharpie, but in like an Expo marker. Make sure you do it that way. Or a post-it note, just to be safe. Um, maybe it's something you need to, I don't know, put on your desk at work. But here's your question. What if your final days begin today? What if you started to live, like right now, or when you leave this auditorium, what if your next steps were to, uh, your next steps in your mind, you're thinking, I'm living in my final days. Paul talks about running a race as though we're going to win it. And so I want to just talk about uh, a few keys to running our race this morning. They come from 2 Timothy chapter 3. First thing, uh, first key that we need to have or we need to know when we're running the race is a good runner will know the course they're going to run. I think I need to add a... Um, uh, a caveat to all this. I don't run. Really, I'd, I can run the vacuum, okay? Um, my car. That's it. I don't run. I ran yesterday uh, like 15 feet. Uh, it felt like a mile. I don't run. So all of this I've learned from really fit people or people who are trying to get fit. Okay. There's the caveat. You just need to know that. First thing you need to know when you run uh, is you need to know the course. Look at what he says. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're all there with me. You ready? Uh, We're reading together. You, however, know all about my teaching. uh, Paul writing to Timothy. You know about my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance, persecutions, my sufferings. Uh, I just want to make this real quick application. A spiritual father talking to his spiritual son. Fathers and your sons, let your sons see all of this in your life. If they were to say what your purpose in life is, what would they say? Is it to make money? Is it to uh, be the number one player in uh, Madden? Oh, because you got to beat me first. (laughs) Um, By the way, I'm undefeated in Restore Church. Okay, so if you got a Madden, look me up. 
Persecution, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch? You know about all these in Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Check this out. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Verse 12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul says it right there. If you're going to run this race, if, if you're going to be a Christ follower, a God pursuer, you are going to be persecuted. Now, persecution, you might say, man, we live in America, we don't get persecuted uh, for our faith. And you're kind of right, we don't get physically persecuted. But there are people in this room who can tell stories of family members who won't talk to them anymore because you've chosen to pursue Jesus. There are people in here who, who, have, ta- who have broken up with, in serious relationships. So we can't continue dating. We cannot be engaged anymore because I'm going to pursue Jesus. You know what it's like to not get a promotion because maybe of your faith. The first, the first uh, obstacle on our course, if we're going to know the course, we need to know the obstacles. And the first obstacle is, is persecution. Hey, if you're living a life for Jesus, expect some type of persecution. If you're not getting any type of persecution, you might want to ask, am I living my life completely for Jesus? The second thing is sin. Sin will get in the way of your pursuit of Jesus, won't it? Uh Uh-huh. Francis Chan, he talks about trying to run a race uh, to pursue Jesus, but actively... Uh, but actively living a life of sin. And this is how he talks about it. He says, you, you lace up your Nikes. You do all of your stretching. Uh, you wear, you put on your leggings. Yeah, did you know guys run in leggings also? Okay, more power to you. Rock on. And you, you, get, your, uh, you get your headphones all set. Like you're, you're ready. You're stretched. And you got your, uh, you know, your whatever app ready, your Spotify playlist, your Restore Church podcast queued up and ready to go. And then you step outside and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I forgot, I need the most important thing. So you go into the kitchen and you grab your box of Twinkies. And then you start, you, you go, right? And you start to get it and like you're, you're running and you're, you're on a good pace. And then you're like, oh, but I still have to eat the Twinkies. Now, can you imagine trying to run while opening up the box and then, you know, they're individually packed, uh, I know more about Twinkies than I do about running. <laughs> anyway, and then you open it, and you're trying to eat it. And the goal is to run a race, but also to eat a box of Twinkies at the same time. It's just not going to work. I mean, it might, but um, Francis Chan says that's similar to when we're trying to pursue Jesus, but ignoring the sin in our life. You can't pursue both. And so we've got we've to know that one of the obstacles of pursuing Jesus is sin in our life. So, hey, just take a quick survey of your life. What sin is keeping you from completely pursuing Jesus? Your pride, some sort of sexual sin. Is it gossip? Do you talk more about people than you do pray for people? Sin will keep you from pursuing Jesus. You know what also will is the other racers. 
imagine running your race and you, you're a sprinter now and you take off from the blocks and you're cruising and then you start to look at the people behind you and you're like, yeah, I'm faster than you. I'm, I trained harder than you. I'm a better runner than you. Well, eventually you're going to stop running toward the finish line because you're just so busy, check this out, comparing yourself to someone who's just trying to run a race. Hey, I'm the worst sinner in the room. And you are too. You're not better than me, and I can guarantee you I'm not better than you. My family and closest friends can tell you about it. We're all sinners. We also get caught up looking at the people ahead of us, don't we? Man, if I could just live like them. And if you're anything like me, uh, I, I told you a little bit about how competitive I can be. But if I'm getting blown out, I quit. You know what I mean? Anybody had the opportunity to watch a certain uh, college football game yesterday? You know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I had to fit that in there. Um, uh, uh, if I'm getting blown out 59-10, I'm going to quit. Uh, if, if I'm watching someone who's running a Christian life better than me, uh, man, it's, it's hard to keep up. Comparison, it's a, t- it's, a, it's a wonderful liar and a terrible master. See what I'm saying? Comparison will lie to you about how good you are, but it will rule you when, you when you're trying to figure out, compare yourself to people who are better than you. You can't run your race if you're looking at the other racers. And then the last one is our last race. Some of you in here are on the borderline of trying to be a Christian or Christ follower. You're trying to figure it out, but you're held up by your past. Every race is a new race, and every day is a new day. And so in this race, when you're pursuing Jesus, you're pursuing Jesus. You're not worried about your last race, how well or how poorly you did. Timothy keeps writing, and so our second, uh, our second key to running our race, if we're running to win it, if we're in the race to win it, uh, the second thing is to uh, remember your training. Remember your training. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. But as for you, so he starts this with but. He's comparing the deception and the, uh, those who are godless, the evildoers and, per- and the imposters, he said in verse 13. But for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and what you have been become uh, convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Um, Parents, you, you learn a lot of spiritual lessons from your kids, don't you? Yeah. You ever be reminded, uh, those, those of you that have children who are getting a little bit older, they ever remind you about something Jesus says or that you should pray more, uh, and then you remind them that you're the parent and you can spank them any moment you, you wish? Um, yeah, I, I've never done that, but you, you might. Uh, I just want you to notice one thing. Verse 15, and how from infancy... You have known the Holy Scriptures. Paul might be exaggerating a little bit, but he's getting his point across pretty clear. From from the time that Timothy 
was young. And Timothy's not old and when, when he writes this uh, letter. Um, from the time you were young, you know what we taught to you. Your kids right now are learning about Jesus. And you should put value on that at home every day of the week. And we put value on it here too. But he says in verse 15, your training or what you've known has come from what? The Holy, uh, the Holy Scriptures right here in verse 15. You hold in your hands what Paul was talking about or on your phone. God's Holy Word. How much time do you spend training for your race? You ever tried to run a race and not stretched or you just ate a whole bowl of pasta before, you know, carb load or something. Hey, that sounds like a good term, carb load. Okay, I'm down. I think I'm going to do that after church, preparing for my nap. I'm going to carb load. Um, you ever do that? Like, you try to run a race cold, you're going to hurt yourself, or worse, I don't know what's worse than that, but you're going to hurt yourself. Like, we jump into following Jesus, and that's great, and we pursue Jesus, and we run toward Jesus. But at some point, we've got to be founded in some sort of training, in some sort of learning. Give it seven days. Past seven days. How much time have you spent in God's Word? Past two days, how much time have you spent on social media? Compare the two. Right, So the new Facebook app, I mean the new uh, iPhone update. I don't know if you, you have an iPhone, you should. The, the newest update, this is, why, uh, I'm, this is why you should have the new update, or the iPhone. The newest update has this, really, has this thing. At the end of the day, every day, it sends you your screen time report. Yeah, y'all are guilty. You don't want the update. Y'all don't get that update. And at the end of the day, it comes through and it says, hold on, check this out. I'm just, this is confession time. It said, you have spent uh, four hours and some change uh, on, on your phone. And I was like, okay, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to, right? That's what we do. But then it breaks down how you spent your time. Two and some hours on social media apps. Those videos, they suck you in. You know what I'm saying? You watch one video, 25 minutes later, you're watching, you know, you're watching some, some dude eating Cheetos with his toes. You know what I'm saying? Something weird. You're laughing because you know it. And then it said uh, an hour and something on Golf Clash. I was in a tournament. I just had to win. Bible app. Nine minutes. Yeah, that's tough. So if I were to give you a microphone, and Elijah knows, I'll call you right now. No, I'm just kidding. If I, were to, if I were to give you this microphone and say, hey, go ahead. Give me your last couple of days, your screen report. How much time you spend in God's word as opposed to how much time you've been looking at your neighbor's kids, you know? God's word, it gives us so much. We learn about God. You can't love someone you don't know about. That's called a stalker. <laughs> like you can't know someone, you can't love someone if you don't know them. Um, and so in God's word, you, you learn about who God is. You learn about his mercy, his compassion, 
You learn about his justice and what truth is. And so God's word, it gives you and I common ground, right? It gives you and I, it gives you and I the ability to argue and then say, but what does God say? It gives us common truth and it gives us a common compass. Are we headed toward the right things? Are we as a church doing what God has called us as a church to do, to create disciples, to relentlessly love God, recklessly love people, and radically love our world? Is that what God's called us to do? Let's look in his word and find out. And we think it is. So let me ask you, are you training to run your race? Aaron uh, signed us, her and I, up for a 5K. We're going to do this together, okay? It's, uh, it's uh, the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, and... We're going to run the race while we're on our cruise. Yes, we are really going to enjoy this cruise. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we're, we're, we're in. She says, hey, uh, I'd, I'd love for you to do this with me. And I just, oh, I've been begging. I've been dying for you to ask me to run a 5K. I'd love to do this with you. So she, we, we signed us both up, okay? Here's the thing. She's killing it. She downloads this app, right, to help train her for a 5K. And she's up early, and I'm just now waking up, and she's coming in with a cup of coffee. Here you go. How was your morning? Good. Just ran a couple miles. You did what? <laughs> you know, and then uh, I pull up my phone, and I've downloaded the app. I'm also killing it. I even created space to do it. Hey, look, if, if you're not training, you can't be running. And you can't be running well. you got to be training. Are you prepping to be in the race? Here's number three. Um, and this is what I want to challenge you with. Some of us uh, in here are, are very new believers. And so with, with that second one, the training, you are in a mode where you just got to let God's word uh, infiltrate your heart. And, and some of you right now are on fire for Christ. Right? And, and you're, just, you're just hungry for what his word is saying. And I love it. You excite me. And you inspire me. But there's a danger for some of us who have been in the race for a while. We tend to get a little bit sloppy. Here's the number, here's number three. Keep your form. You're running a long distance. If you're going to run the race to win it, you need to keep your form. Look at what uh, Paul says. We're still in 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're just going straight through it. Uh, verses, 15, verses 16 and 17. He's talking about you learned from the Holy Scripture since you were infant. And then Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. New believers, brand new Christians, listen to this. Can, we've got to be sensitive to God's word. This is God's words. And so when you read something that just doesn't, in the Bible, that just doesn't fit with your lifestyle, God's word's not going to change. So that's a part of being a Christ pursuer. Is now you have to change. And I want to tell you, does this sound fun? Listen, uh, God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, Training in righteousness, sometimes it's not fun to give up things 
or to, to start pursuing other things. Like when you encounter God's word and it is, it's, it's, it doesn't match with your life, that's where you just come to the crossroads and say, hey, am I going to be a Christ follower or am I going to serve and worship myself here? Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice like an oxymoron. But while you're living, you are a sacrifice to God that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you're underlining, if you have your own Bible and you underline or circle, I want you to see in verse 2, he says, But by, be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. He doesn't say be transformed by incredible worship experiences or be transformed by some fluffy feeling, although we like those feelings, I like those feelings, and I love awesome, incredible worship experiences. But what transforms us? Renewing our mind. To renew your mind, you have to get crap out, but then you got to renew it and fill it. What are you going to fill it with? With God's Word. And that's how we would be transformed. So I want to talk to the seasoned believers for a while, for, for a moment. You've been a Christian for a while. Um, are you still allowing God's word to change you? Are you still going back to God's word to see what it has to teach you? Are you still coming back to the pages of scripture to see where God can rebuke you? Or correct you? Or are you like most seasoned Christians and it's like, I got this thing. I know how this goes. It's a routine. We go to church Sunday and uh, life group. We might go to this thing that we restore does every now and then. That's the routine. And that's what Christians do. And yes, that's what Christians do, but that's not all that Christians do. And uh, so if you're going to continue to run your race, you need to keep your form which is God's word, and you got to keep continuing to get better. So uh, you've been a Christian for a while? Awesome. Keep, keep pursuing Jesus through his word. Here's the last thing that you need to know for running your race. Uh, it's to picture the finish line. 2 Timothy chapter 4, so Paul is continuing to write, remember when you're reading your Bible and you see those big numbers, the chapter divisions. Paul didn't put those there. And it, actually, no one who wrote the Bible when it was originally written put those there. They're just there to help us study, okay, and help us reference and teach. So uh, chapter 4, Paul's just continually writing his letter. Chapter 4, uh, verses 6 through 8, this is what he says just a few moments later. Remember, Paul's in prison. He thinks the next step for him is death. And he says, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I have kept the faith. I would love to hear Jesus tell me those words. You have, you have fought the fight, right? You, you have fought the good fight, you've finished the race, Roger, you've kept your faith. 
that would be so awesome. Um, they say, they say, because I don't really know, that uh, there's this moment when you're running that you hit a wall. Uh, all the, you know who all the runners are because they're like, yeah, yeah. All of us who aren't runners are like, I hit walls all the time. I just lost my balance. Uh, when, you're, when you're running and you hit this wall, what's on the other side of the wall is runners, the runner's high. But sometimes when you're running, you're just like, I don't know if I'm going to get there. You, you hit this wall. And what long-distance runners are told when they hit this wall is to picture in your mind you crossing the finish line. Have you hit a wall? In your spiritual life, have you hit a wall? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's a sin that you just can't get away from. Maybe it is your family member who says, if you decide to pursue Christ, don't, don't worry about me. I don't know what it is, but have you hit the wall? Maybe you need to picture crossing the finish line. And if you need to know what that looks like, look at verse 8. Paul has it in his mind. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. And then he tells us what the crown of righteousness is which is the Lord, the righteous judge. He will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to those who have longed for his appearing. Uh, one of our uh, Restorians, can we say that? One of the people who, who come to Restore Church, and her, her name's Stephanie. She's not here this morning. She comes over to me in the middle of, we're having such a good day at Oktoberfest, and she comes over to me in the middle and she said, hey, can we just pray right now? And I was like, yeah, sure. What's, what's going on? She said, there's a shooting in Pittsburgh uh, in a synagogue. You guys read about this yesterday. It's a shooting in a, in a synagogue. I'm tired of it. Aren't you? Like, it's like every time you turn on the news or every time your phone beeps. I think we were, all, we were uh, when we evacuated there was like three times we got an amber alert on our phone. And you just want to be like, what in the world? Like, can this be over now? I just want to cross the finish line. And maybe you're there too. But in the middle of these lulls and these hard fights, can't you just close your eyes and imagine just walking up to the presence of Jesus. Everyone, all of heaven, worshiping Christ. And now you get to take a seat. Maybe next to Paul. Maybe next to Timothy. And you just get to sit in the presence of Jesus. There's no more crying. No more suffering. No more pain. No more fighting. No more struggling. Just Jesus. That's our prize. Uh, in the Summer Olympics of 1992, it was the quarter mile for the, uh, the it was the quarter finals for the 400 meter sprint. And British athlete Derek Redman was uh, a favorite to win the gold medal. He spent his life training all for this one moment. He lines up on the block. He hears the gun fire and the. Athletes, they burst out of their blocks. 
around the 200-meter mark, Derek Redman, he was in front. And then all of a sudden, he pulls up because, uh, man, his, his disaster hit. His, he pulled his hamstring, and then right there in the middle of the Olympics, he collapses on the track. The agony. Uh, you could see it on his, on his tear-streaked face. You could see it getting into his mind and, and physically. Man, what a, what a crushing blow. All the medical attendants, they start to race, they, they start to run to the track, but Derek waved them off. He was determined to finish. He came here to race, he came here to finish, and that's exactly what Derek was going to do. And so he tried his best to get to his feet. He started hobbling down the track. The crowds mesmerized. They started to cheer him on. But the officials, uh, the officials, they didn't know what to do. And then all of a sudden, an older man, he rushes onto the track. He brushes off the officials, the medical attendants, everyone who's trying to stop him. He ran up beside Derek, and he placed his arms around him. Uh, here's a picture. It's Derek Robinson's father. His name is Jim. Jim says, you don't have to do this, son. Derek replied, yes, I do. Derek's father said, fine, then we'll finish this race together. And you can see it, arm in arm, agony. Look at it. I mean, you can see his face, agony on his face. Derek and Jim, they continued down the track, and eventually they finished together. Now, what a great scene as the crowd roars and the Olympic spirit is risen, right? <clears throat> Maybe um, this morning you're on the track. Maybe you don't have the spirit of Derek, and you're just like, dude, I want to be done. I, d- I don't want to finish. Or maybe you are. Maybe you're just like, maybe you're, you're trying to fight like hell right now, and, and you just got nothing left, right? It feels like you're dragging, dragging everything you have to get to where you're, to, to get to the finish line, and, and you can't. Hey, I want to tell you, you got a father who's willing to sprint out of the stands and get to you and say, we're going to finish this thing together. What would happen if you left this room this afternoon and said, I'm going to start living as though my final days were now? What would change in your life? Your pursuit of Jesus? Your thirst for God's word? Your craving and longing for the finish line? No matter where you are, you have a father who wants to finish the race with you. Maybe it's, maybe it's following behind you saying, good job, keep it up. Maybe it's arm in arm saying, dude, we're going to do this together. Or maybe he's just going to drag you for a time because you're just so beaten down. Um, it's the God who loves all of us. And God loves you and gave his son Jesus for you. Start your race now. Let's pray. Hey, God, we love you. And um, God, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for the times that it teaches us and rebukes us and it challenges us. God, so that we can be ready for when you're ready to use us. God, we thank you that we, shoot, that we even get to run the race. Over and over, I should have been disqualified. 
over and over I shouldn't have been allowed on the track, but God, you, you have given us new mercy every day. You have given us grace, and uh, God, we're, we're so thankful for it. Um, God, I pray that as we, uh, as we sit here, God, that you'll, you'll light a fire in us right, to, to, to get in the race and run and, and to pursue you. God, help us to avoid the obstacles. Help us to, to stay in your word, use your word, but ultimately, God, to keep you in our focus. God, we pray all these things in, in Jesus' name. Amen.